Welcome to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Kim is a psychotherapist and executive director of ICU Talks, a mental health speaking ministry. This is a podcast about how to flip your lid and learning how to reconnect to who you really are. All right, everybody. Thank y'all for being a part of Flip Your Lid. I've got a new friend with me today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Tosh Jenkins. She's a Davidson College graduate, and professionally, she's a realtor. She's a devoted Christian who's beginning her seminary journey as she answers the call to ministry. She became a Christ follower at the age of 13, just a few months after the death of her mother. She's a mother of five energetic, unapologetic children, some of which have mild to severe special needs. Tosh is a member of Huntersville United Methodist Church, where she currently serves as a Christian formation and communications intern. Y'all give it up for my new friend, Tosh Jenkins. Hey, everyone. Hi. Thank you for being here. I really appreciate you just bringing your exuberance, your love, your compassion to our Flip Your Lid audience very much. So you know that nothing's planned on here except for the very first question. And that is, I just want to know what life event, what experience flipped your lid and tell us a little bit about what measures you've had to take to reconnect to who God says you really are. You know, I really love this question um, because the truth is our lids are flipped many times. Yes. And sometimes when our lid, lid is flipped the last time, it's a combination of all the other flips. Yes, many flips. Um, many flips, flipping yeah. away. Um, when my husband uh, passed away unexpectedly due to mm. kidney disease in June of 2018, it really, re, um, you know, it just really pulled all the pieces of my life um, apart in some ways. Um, I'm a planner and I had a sense of where I thought I would be the next 20 years. And when that occurred, everything had to be reset. Um, And fortunately, I had the foundation in faith. Um, so that, so my foundation was there. It's kind of like, mm. when you see like a storm and the whole building is leveled, but the foundation is there. Oh, that's good. That's good. I can just visualize that. So like, there's a, there's a lot of grief for you, right? Cause just to learn about you and know that your mom died when you were only 13, mm-hmm. you know, and how does a 13 year old, I mean, that flips your lid. How's a 13 year old bring that in? And then now to be a young widow. You know, it's, um, again, anytime my world has fallen apart, the foundation of my faith has always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember just probably my early years of faith being important from the time I was three or four or five, really. Wow. Um, I have always sensed a deep connection to God, but, you know, being a good Baptist, we always report when we join the church, right, um, right. but definitely have always felt a deep, deep connection to the Lord. But the foundation of faith was there when my mom passed away and I had the sense of I would be alone. Um, I don't know mm. if you've ever, by natural definition, you've got all these people. I'm, a, I'm one of five children. Oh. I'm from a big family. But in that moment, when I learned that my mom had passed away, I felt so isolated, so alone. And even though I was in a room filled with people, I could only hear the Lord saying, I will never leave nor forsake you. Mm. That's so powerful. Yeah. And so just to be in a room and feel alone, but you could feel God's presence. Yes. Did 
how did that affect your ability to connect to people around you, to lose someone that young? Like, did you back up, go further into relationships? Because usually people would generally have like an extreme reaction, right? So how did that mm-hmm. impact you? You know, it's really interesting. I think in many ways I went inward, mm-hmm. but I've always been a very inward processor. Um, but at the same time, people see me as very extroverted. Right. So it's kind of like I have this dual identity where mm-hmm. I'm very extroverted, very interested in other people and how they are and that they know that they're loved, that they know that they're secure, that they know that they're seen. Mm-hmm. And much of that is because I'm such an inward processor that I know that in many ways, I felt that I was only seen by God at times in my life and wanting people to have that human connection. Yet at the same time, um, I've had mentors all my life that have stepped in and said, I'll be there for you. Mm, Wow. What's your birth order? Where are you in the five? I am the fourth of five. Uh And I'm the only girl. Oh, so you're the most special. <laughs> I don't know if you call it special, <laughs> but I am born a week after uh, Valentine's Day. So I always thought I was loved. <laughs> uh, that, is, that is a love child right there. How is it for well, your brother's very protective of you? Not that you needed protection, right? Because we know you're a woman, you can handle things. But I'm curious, just traditionally, like, were they protective of you? Were you all close? Yeah, really close with my brothers. And I had one brother who was really interesting because, you know, he was kind of like, you know, that, you know, that very kind of chauvinist Um, man's man. But for his sister, he was very protective because he knew how Mm. men were. And he He knew how he was. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. He knew how he was. And he would always reminded, he always reminded me that, you know, you fall hard, you love hard. And um, so he was the one constantly reminding me that I gave much and I deserved much. Mm. You gave much and deserved much. Yes. And you got to hear that regularly growing up. Regularly from him. And is your brother single? I'd like to talk to your brother. (laughs) He actually passed away. Um, Oh, no. Are you serious? How do you internalize that and and not lose your sense of hope? Please, because I don't know how to do that. Please share with us how how you've done this. Um, Again, my foundation is always faith. And I don't know what it is. You know how like a lot of times we talk about in faith that there's that still small voice, that assurance, that peace that surpasses all understanding. I somehow can always find that even Mm -hmm. if there is a hurricane, there is a storm, uh, there is this sense that even if I'm a distant away from the shore, I can see the shore. And if I can just trust that the hand of God is reachable, even if the shore isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It just keeps me focused. Right. right. So it's part, can you talk about what does your grieving look like when you've gone through this? Like, is this a, in the corner screaming, crying on certain days, other days feeling numb, the next day feeling okay? Like what kind of roller coaster is this? It's all the emotions, right? Um, um, I'm a big believer that when we grieve, we often think of the absence of the person. Right. And that is true. Yeah. But as people of faith, we know that we have the hope that we will once again see them again. Right. There is also that portion of grief that's really, who are we now without this person? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. You know, and how, how do we go on 
um, without being all the things that we've been, that we have been as a result of our relationship with that person mm-hmm. um, and, and discovering that new identity. Um, mm. That's always, to me, that has always been the biggest part of the struggle, how to love when you feel like you've lost the yes. person that you love most, how to continue to give mm. when you feel like the thing and the person you most want to give to is no longer there. Yeah. So well said, like it's the, like, how do you trust again? Because the deeper you love, the more you hurt when they're gone. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I was told a long time ago, beginning my becoming a therapist, that if if I or one of my patients loses someone and they feel like they still can't function, then it was a dysfunctional relationship. And I don't agree with that anymore. It's it's totally not true. It's yeah. totally not true. And I th- and and this is why I wanted to have this conversation with you because I think we focus so much on the absence of the person mm-hmm. when really it is about the absence of a new identity mm, and that space between that space between identifying that new identity. And I didn't understand that until my husband had passed away and I was probably about in that second third month. And I messaged my my good friend, Gina, and I said, Gina, I don't know that I could ever be the person I was for you again. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And would you be okay going on with me if I can't be that person? Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, and to some extent, it feels weird to say because you're like, you've lost somebody. That sounds like you're being very self-absorbed. No, it's, it's because you're struggling with how do I be a person of value mm-hmm. and love having lost love mm-hmm. yet knowing in order to love, it must be authentic. I can't right. love out of fear. That's yeah. That's do you know beautiful. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I didn't hear it as self-absorbed at all, but I'm strange. So other people might've, so I'm glad you clarified it. <laughs> I heard it first as you're worried about being a good friend. Like you're in the fetal position, but I also heard it as, hey, I'm just letting you know, like, I'm strong enough to tell you, like, I, the person that you knew might not be here. So I'm just, I'm just reaching out. Like it's a reach out of, I don't know who I am right now. Can you stand beside me? Can you hold my arms up in this battle? You know, it's so funny that you say that, Kim. I often say that to people in my life that, I feel like I'm one of those people that's meant to be like Aaron and Er, yeah. and just helping hold up people's arms mm. for their calling. Right. Right? That's, right. that's right. And so it's funny that the Lord would put that in your spirit to say mm-hmm. that, because mm-hmm. I think that really is the issue when I do go through grief. Mm-hmm. I know I can't be there hundred percent like people are you, you know, I'm a hundred and ten percenter. Right. And um, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, and, and it's just like, because it is, it is the Holy Spirit. It's us praying together. It's us getting to know each other and, and being already spiritually connected. Because it really is a visual I have for you. And there's so much about our relationship with the Lord has to be that we're willing to be Moses, to be Aaron, right? To be to be in, in the battle, right? We, we have to be in all the positions if we're really going to be in more of a whole relationship with the Lord, right? right? Right. And and the thing I love about that story, I, I love that. See, you're my people. <laughs> Girl, we are besties now. My, all my besties listening. Sorry, y'all got bumped. <laughs> but 
I love it because really what it's about is about trust, right? Because you have Joshua who is there on the field in battle with the other Israelite soldiers and they've got to do their role. And they've got to trust that up high, Moses and his supporters are doing their thing. And then on another level, they've got to trust that God is doing ultimately Mm. his thing. And it's all about, you know what I mean? It's all about Mm -hmm. staying in calling, but also staying in faith and trust Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're going to be in the moment doing what you have to do in the battle, then you have to have the trust. It's not, instead of it being intellectual, it's got to be within your being. I know. But then at the same time, it can't be so emotional that you're Mm. erratic. So I believe in faith that we have to both come from a place of logic, but Mm. also a place of this this doesn't have to make sense in this moment. But we also have to be very rational in our faith. I think a true faith requires both. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people trade one for the other in Christianity. They mm-hmm. trade a very sort of rational, like, let me explain it, you know, coming through a very apologetics. Well, yes, or, yes. or they come from a very sort of revivalist tradition right. and there's no real yeah, that's, rational. That's yeah, We need both of the brain, sides of the brain working. Yeah, absolutely. No, you're, you're so spot on that because it, it's both become so extreme that we miss the purpose in the middle. Exactly. Yeah, and that you you have found that, and so we're we're talking like you've lost your mom, you lost your brother, lost your husband, and it was I, unexpected with your husband. And it was unexpected. With my husband he had kidney disease, mm-hmm. and we, you know, how like you just so used to going through the step. You were used to him needing his tune up, needing to go into the hospital, right. and he was supposed to be coming home the next day. And um, when they told me that he had passed away, I said, "Just give me a minute." I just need to wake up. Clearly, I'm dreaming. This yeah. is not my life, yeah. right? This is yeah. not my identity. <laughs> right, that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and this is yeah. not on the menu. I didn't order this. No, no, yeah. no. Because yeah. that planner in me, right? That rational right. brain side right. of me yeah. is like, no, this is not, no, that's not what I planned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. And just having to hear those words. And how long do you try to absorb it? And then you're thinking about your children, I'm sure. and. How do I, how do I tell people like, like I can't imagine how much I had to go through you because I know you're you're also a thinker like you understand things intellectually. Well, here's the thing that's that was so. Um, now this is what I get very sort of um, <laughs> hippie hippie yeah. Christian. Yeah. The day that we were checking my husband in. Walking the hallway with us was a woman that I saw with a very kind face. Mm. On the day that I learned my husband had passed away, they said, we're going to call the chaplain to come and just talk to you before you leave. Would you not believe me if I told you that the Mm. chaplain was the woman that I had passed in the hallway? That God had been Mm. so intentional Mm. for me to see this person and to know that he had already positioned her. Right. And when I saw her the second time and they said, we have called the chaplain and she introduced herself and they said, would you like to talk to the chaplain? I said, I don't need to talk to the chaplain. All I needed to know was this was the chaplain. God had already given me the peace. There you go. God had already given me the peace. That's right. right. You know, I think, and help me explain this. I'm not going to explain this. I think there are so many signs around us. Yes. And that we 
through distraction, busyness, being muddled down with shame and blame, so many reasons, like we don't see them, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so you had to be spiritually cleansed on some level to already feel that, see that in her face, and then be able to say, I've already seen the one. Yes. Yeah. I I saw him in her. I saw him in her that day. And, 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 and just a reminder that God is our provider and he is our provision of peace, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And he'd already given me my serving of peace. It was just that I had not tasted it right. until I saw her the second time. Yeah, yeah, then you yeah. tasted it, yeah. Yeah. How, how do you leave the hospital? And I, and I know that you feel that, but again, our experience with the Lord is real and it's deep and it's, it involves screaming and crying and all that. But how do you... And the Lord inside of you walk back into your house without your husband. How? I go back to the memory of when I was 13 and I was in a crowded room and the Lord said, I will never leave nor forsake you. Hmm. Yeah. You just stood on truth. I stood on truth. I stood on the knowing that even though I could see the shore, but could not touch it, yeah. I could touch the hand of God. Yeah. Um, I, I gave uh, a couple months ago uh, my grief testimony, almost like my first sermon. And one of the things that I truly believe is that, you know how like they say that, you know, the time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Right. Right. And if not, then today is a good day to plant the tree. Yeah. I, I think that's true of our faith, that mm. we have to be so planted in our faith before we need it that we can draw on it. But yeah. even if we don't plan it before, we can plan it today. So it's my hope and my prayer that people don't hear me as a good woman, but right. they hear me as a woman of faith. Yeah, that's and right. that they say, not that they want to have my faith, but they want to come see the man that I've seen. Mm-hmm, that's good. <laughs> and, they so good. Come, and they would come yeah. to a point that they want to be in a relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and really know him, not know him as we know church and know membership, yeah. That's but right. no relationship. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 We have to, we have to make a decision, don't we? Yeah. Right. If it's a relationship or if it's a concept. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, and that's why I think it's so beautiful about what you do in terms mm-hmm. of creating the space for conversations. And right. it's ironic because I, I just actually had a friend who inboxed me when I mentioned I would be interviewed by you. And she said, Oh my goodness, I'm going to these ICU talks. Yeah. And I thought to myself, what an incredible work that you're doing. Mm. My friend that's going to be going to your talk actually had a car accident where she lost memory for a time. Uh, and you're going to be a blessing to her. Wow. Yeah. And you've created that space for her right. and so many other people. Yeah. And But I know that that didn't come without a cost from your right. own pain. Sure, right? absolutely. Yeah. And that's what's so beautiful about what God does. He uses mm-hmm. our own path to mm-hmm. create space for other people. So right. I hope that this space is yeah. a space in this conversation for people as well. Yeah, and I, and I already know it is. I mean, it is, you know, this is Romans 8, 28 is true life, right? Mm-hmm. Like you get to see the, you get to see it fabricated. You get to see it um, come to fruition, if I'm trying to say, like you get to see it be very, very real and, and, and see that he is the fabric. He is the DNA, mm. right, of what we're going through. And and thank you for bringing up ICU Talks. So as you're thinking, I'm like, I, I so want you on our stage and speak. And we're booked until 2022. But 2022 is your year, Tom. Because <laughs> I would love for you to be able to stand there. Because people's grief gets to look differently. You know, other 
other cultures, tribes, different places, like they they allow space. As you're talking about creating space, they they create space for people to grieve. Here, we give you two weeks mm -hmm. and you better move on. You you had better move on. You yeah. had better move on. Or even if you even if you move on, or even if you don't move on, people want you to grieve the way they think you should grieve. Yeah. Um, I think um anybody that sees my Facebook feed might think that I would be the person that would put up, um, you know, it's been one year, it's been two years. Mm -hmm. I don't grieve that way. Right. Because right. I have a hope and um my grief is more how can I uh, sow into other people? Do you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, and that may be um, something that I have to work on right. to be one that can share grief. But mm -hmm. I'm very clear that I want my grief to create growth and process for people mm -hmm. as much as it creates process and growth for me. And if I get too deep into the emotional of it, it becomes almost like the silo, right? Right. Where right. I can go back into a, a dark place. Um, in November of 2018, the Lord woke me up um, because I needed to kind of be almost in a, you know, I was doing all the things I was supposed to be doing, but in a way it was almost like, you know, I, any day I still believe that I can wake up like I told doctor and this not be my life. Right. But he gave me, you know, that scripture in Joshua that says, now my servant Moses is dead. Rise mm. up and go into the land where I've sent you. Mm. And I truly believe that for me, I've experienced grief on a deep level but God wants me to use it to take not just myself, but the people yeah. into the land where he sends me. Right. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Moses is one of my, it's probably my favorite person from Old Testament. I relate to him so much. And and just the idea that if anybody listens is in grief and because of that grief, you're walking around the promised land for 40 years. That is understandable. And that no one gets to judge your grief. But at what point... Do we have, what point does it come that it's, you're worthy of letting compassion in because that is the promised land of grief. And that's, what's so beautiful about that Joshua one, one and two, Yeah, because God does say, rise up. Yeah. We get right. to rise up. We that's get right. to rise up. You know, my favorite person in the Bible, I have two favorite people. My favorite favorite is Caleb, yeah. because a lot of times we talk about grief in terms of death. But mm -hmm. what about grief in terms of denial? Mm. Because Caleb with Joshua went and spied out the land and they were the only two that had the positive report. Yet they had to wait those 40 years due to mm. other people's yeah. unbelief. Right, that's right. That's so yet, true. yet Caleb had an energy and an enthusiasm mm -hmm. to still say, give me my mountain. Mm -hmm. So I really love, and I love Nehemiah as well, but Caleb, it's yeah. funny that you and I are kind of in that. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're just, Exodus people. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Well, just to know that they are the two people that came back and spoke truth and everyone said, what's that noise? Oh, here's some lies over here. This feels familiar, uncomfortable. Let's go with this. Let's all panic together. Because you and I have talked that you're not a you're not a drama person. Like you don't have time for that. You're the Caleb. You want to hear the truth, then let, let's let's go. Let's go with God. Let's go with God. All right. He he's already promised it. Yeah, I yeah. know. Yeah, I know I got the five kids. Yeah, I know yeah. that, you know, I've I've got support. Yeah, I know all those things. Right. But God has shown me that the fruit is good and the land is good and it's flowing with milk and honey. Let's That's go right. for it. 
That's right. Yeah. Let's preach that. Let's preach that. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it like to, because um, I know you, you are professional, went to Davidson College. They don't let just anybody in Davidson College. Like you don't, you don't get a pity entry in Davidson <laughs> College. Right? You've got to earn it. It is the Harvard of the South. If you don't believe me, research it, Google that. It will tell you the same thing. It's an uh-huh. incredible school. So um, just want to talk about that you went to Davison and then now you're, you're a realtor, you're going to Ashbury, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Ministry school. Uh-huh. And you've got five kids who call you mom. Yeah. 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 Again, all these identities, right? Yeah. Balancing all the identities, mm-hmm. balancing the call of God in my life, mm-hmm. balancing the call of being a parent. It's mm-hmm. all, all those things. Um, I am a first, the thing about going to Davidson that's interesting is I'm a first generation college student as well. So when I went, I was the first person ever in my family to go to college. But since I went to college, lots of other family members and their children have since gone. Come on now, break that curse. That's what I'm saying. And a lot of times it's it's the curse, but it's the identity curse. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. Well, and it's honestly like we... Like it's as a woman, it's harder to become a doctor when you never see a female doctor on TV, when no one, you don't read books when you're little talking about that you can be a doctor as a female, right? It's that kind of thing. Like we, we, we become a lot of what we see. That's why it's so exciting. Like you, you followed him, you followed God and now other people can, can do the same, right? That you're, you're the first. Yeah, I was the first, but I've never since been the last. And the Mm. most ironic part of my story is the person who inspired me to go to Davidson is so not like me. The person who inspired me to go to Davidson was a very Southern genteel guy who had never had to worry for anything in his life. Met him at governor's school in um, Charleston. Mm -hmm. And he just had this sense of... He was going to medical school, but he kept talking about the school that he'd gone to for him to graduate. And I was just like, you're supposed to be like, that's over the next thing. And he was like, no, this place, you know, they, you know, it's about this, about that, about the classes, it's about being um, somebody that cares about humanity and all mm-hmm. these things. And, and, and I think that's the other thing. So often when we, especially in our society today, we all through Christ have no separation. Right. Right. If we if we will first be of a Christ mindset, not mm-hmm. of the world's mindset that teaches mm-hmm. us that, you know, a black woman and a white guy and this person and right, that person, right. this person with money and all, all that stuff is the world. That's, that's the world. The Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, your statement is so powerful. I, mean, I, I think you got, you just, you just stepped over it like it wasn't profound. You just said something so profound. You said, if you are the first, you won't be the last. You will not be the last. If you are the first, you won't be the last. Like, just think about that and how to apply that to your family and the people that you know that just to keep going, right? Just to keep going. Yeah, and to have someone there for you, have someone kind of mentor you, have someone see, like, you see the whole picture of all of it. And so you went to Davidson College, right? And so have you stayed in this area? Have you stayed in the Huntersville, Davidson area? I've stayed in the Davidson area. I've stayed, you know, I went um, to Davidson in 1992, graduated in 1996, worked there for three years and just basically stayed in the area met my husband, fell in love, Mm. um, you know, made a life um, here. And um, and I'll tell you something really funny. When I was in high school, we came here for Ramsey's The Great Exhibit my freshman year. And I was on Tryon Street. And again, this kind of shows you that God always does things for me in imagery. 
Mm-hmm. And we were on Tryon Street going to the Met Museum, going to see this Ramsey's The Great Exhibit. And it was like the Lord said, this is where, this is, this is where I'm sending you to. Mm-hmm. And, and that was my freshman year wow. in high school. Really? And, and I ended up, you know, going to Davis and end up making a life in this area. Yeah. 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 I mean, he always tells me before. <laughs> right. Right. Just yeah. anointed. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. that way. Yeah, because so, I'm hard headed. It's not because I'm anointed, Kim. <laughs> okay. I'm hard headed. We'll go with opposite now. I'll go with that too. All right. <laughs> so, how would you define grief? <sighs> grief is a recognition of loss. Mm. Recognition. It's a recognition of loss, but yeah. it's also an opportunity for hope. Mm. Yeah, that's good. You know, in the world of psychology. We, you know, so diagnosis to be called persistent grief, right? And persistent complex grief is in the mm-hmm. DSM-5. Mm-hmm. And what that means is it means that you have grieved too long, right? Mm-hmm. That you are not seeing enough change in, in bringing in a new identity because of that. Mm-hmm. With your faith, I just want you to, to speak into that. Like, is that, like, is that a legit diagnosis or do you, is, is that, because in a way it sounds judgmental. Right, but you're somebody who has significant grief, so just your understanding of grief different than persistent bereavement. You know, I you know that's a really hard one because mm-hmm. I think you you and I both always want to give people space for who they are that's rather right. than trying to over apply one person's yeah. life to someone else. Mm-hmm. What I can say for me is that I have had repeated cons- um, grief, but that's how God keeps me in a state of brokenness that then helps set captives free in yeah. many other areas. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And sure. so he, he uses all things for good. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And that's so right. that's what he, he's using my grief for that. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that one person could not ex- can experience one grief mm-hmm. and grieve a long time as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And that even goes back to the Facebook thing, you know, which has become our measuring stick for certain things, right, on some level, but that you're not the type that's going to post this, this one-year anniversary, two-year. And there are other people we all know that are consistently you know, saying, this is the day I first took little Johnny to the hospital. This is the day. And being able to let people be where they are. Yes. Yeah, and to acknowledge that and love them and pray for them. Like, no one changes through judgment. Nobody does. And yeah. and the, and the I think the other thing is, we have this sense that we want everyone to go through the mousetrap the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't come in the same way. That's right. That's good. Well, and we want that for, for convenience and comfort. We want to understand more yeah. than we want that person to be who they are. Right. And be in their process. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I agree with you that, that, you know, we do sometimes need to shake a person and say, <laughs> it's time for you mm-hmm. to move on because we, we need to do that in love sometimes. Right. Um, but I don't think that that's always true. I think people mm-hmm. are, some people are uncomfortable with other people's pain. Right. Because it makes it difficult for them to have joy. Right. Right. That's right. Yeah. That's exactly. That's, that's so you're an interruption to them. You know yes. what I mean? Your grief yes. is an interruption to their joy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And to not yeah. give someone that much power that you get to be in your grief. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Elizabeth Cooper Ross did so much for rural psychology and she's only known for, for grief. And my, my understanding is that that grieved her because she did so much research in the world. But she came up, and they're considered stages, but to her, they really were just 
places that you would rest and you wouldn't just, it's not like you go through five stages and you're done, right? Or go through six stages. And so I just want to ask you about that because since her death, another part's been added about acceptance and action because Mm -hmm. it's been learned that if you're really part of how you know you're somewhere else in that is that you're, there's some action that you take Mm -hmm. to, to show that you're on the battlefield. Yeah. Right. I love that. Yeah. And so is you have you found that? Have have you found that like you had anger, you had depression, and then it got to a point that it was just about action. Is there anything about that you could share with our audience? Um you know, it's interesting. I think for me, because I'm an internal processor, that that sense of who am I and coming to a new identity, mm-hmm. that was my anger fit all of that in one place. Right. The thing that made me cry most was not understanding who God expected me to be mm. Mm. without being the person that I had expected and planned to be. Yeah, that's so good. That's so in the good. context of that relationship. Yeah. And as far as, you know, what is my battlefield now? I really feel like um, I'm a bridge builder. Um, I'm a person who loves to connect people. I'm a person who loves to help people see God's calling in their life. Or I'm a person who loves to help people, you know, not be so captive by the pain of the past. Right, right. And to, and to kind of move forward into the future. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm somebody who's really passionate about people being authentic Christians, mm-hmm. not being the sort of fake, um, Jesus-y, I'm happy. My life is good. My husband's good. My children's good. I'm very into authentic relationships. So where it's messy, I want to help you work through your mess. Mm -hmm. And where it is a faith thing, I want you to get all dirty in your faith and and just like lay in it. You know what I mean? Um, So it's kind of like all of those things. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, I ultimately want all of us to be in community in whatever stage we are in. Mm. If we're in a messy place and we're in a strong place, I want there to be community for us. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm most passionate yeah. about. That that is so key and why I'm so excited that you're officially going into the ministry and going to seminary because it's part of why I started ICU talks. It's part of why I'm part of I'm one of the communicators and part of the mosaic church is because we acknowledge grief. We acknowledge mental illness. We acknowledge the need for emotional health. And that when you come into that church or come to ICU talks, you're, you're expected to be a misfit. Like there's no expectation of you having it all together because like this, this is God's hospital, right? And you mm-hmm. sound like you're, you're, you're an advocate for helping other people know that community means messy. It, it it is right, and I think in a very sort of suburban way, we mm. don't believe that. Right, we, you're, you're we, right. We fall into that category when we say blessed, we mean all things good. Right, and that's not what blessed means. Mm. Blessed is more so about trust, faith, peace. It's mm-hmm. not about worldly perfection. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting too that you use the term misfit because that's how I describe my squad. I have a Bible study accountability group. We call ourselves a squad, but I also describe it, describe us as misfits. Yeah. yeah. And the thing that's awesome about misfits is when you look at a puzzle, right? Each puzzle piece looks different, mm-hmm. 
But when you put the puzzle together, it fits. That's right. And that's how the body of Christ is. Alone, we do seem like a misfit. Hmm. But knitted together, Mm -hmm. put together as Mm -hmm. the mosaic, the picture of who Christ wants us to be, Mm -hmm. we're not misfit. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. In community. Yeah, and just for people who are out there feeling alone, like it, it is about finding the right community. You're, you are a missing piece for, for some, for something, right? Like, amen. Yeah, amen. Needed somewhere to for, for completion, for, for getting better, for community, for, for wholeness. You get it. See, I know yeah. we're people. We're, we are people. We are so <laughs> sisters in this. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any? like concrete or um, just suggestions for coping skills for people who are, are mired in the grief. And I know you give them permission to be in it. Is there something else that you would to suggest that has worked for you? You've got to stay in community, even while you're in grief. Yeah. Um, while I went through my grief, I had my friends, my friends I could call or text and say, this is a bad day for me. Um, yeah. Um, I also had um, Grief Share is a uh-huh. Christian yeah. um, grief recovery group that mm-hmm. I went through a 13-week program with. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that it's different for different people and what they will need, but we all need to know one person that can affirm the truth of who we are when we most are getting messages mm-hmm. that don't fit You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. one of the things that people don't talk about is people most want to give up on life when they're in their grief. Mm -hmm. So you need somebody that can remind you that there's something for you after this. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, In a big way. Hopefully it's a support group. If it's not a support group, hopefully it's your church. If it's not a church, hopefully it's just one person. And if it's not one mm-hmm. person, hopefully it's an article. And if it's not an article, mm-hmm. hopefully it's this podcast. Right. And this right. just falls right. in the lap of somebody. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, oh, wow, that's me. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to make it. I'm yeah. going to make it. Yeah. yeah. In the powerful words of to be around somebody reminds you of who you are because you're going you're gonna to be lost. A piece of you has, has, gone, has moved on. Heaven, yes. and so you're you got to figure out who you are now. Someone's got to remind you, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really powerful. Is there anything about grief share that you would do differently or you would change? You know, that's really interesting. Um, one of the things they talk about is that people process their grief at different points. Some people wait two years before mm-hmm. they go, some people go immediately. Right. For me, I went, um almost immediately like one to two months. Mm-hmm. And I think that was about right for me. Yeah. Um, I, I really think you have to be in community with people who've experienced what you've experienced. Mm-hmm. You've got to be in community with people who knew you before the grief. Mm. And you've got to trust that there's going to be even more community after the grief. Right. And um, that's the beautiful thing. I could not have imagined at the, the most painful part of my grief that I could ever feel joy and wholeness mm. that I feel now. Yeah. And, and I have such a, um, you know, like sometimes people feel like they don't want to experience joy because they feel like it's a, um, almost like saying that my loved one didn't matter. Yes, that's right. Yeah. My loved one mattered so much to me mm. that I want to live out the call that God has mm. for me now 
so that when I see him, he can say, you know, there's that great scripture um, in Hebrews that talks about the great cloud of witnesses. Yes, Hebrews 12.1. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I want when I get to heaven and he's mm-hmm. high-fiving me saying, yeah. girl, I saw when you did that thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, that's, that's right. That's right. In life. That's who my husband was in life. And yeah. so that's what I imagine. So mm. um I hope that people will know that their loved ones want them to have a thereafter. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and that's part of our and again, it's easy to say in theory, but it really is part of where it becomes about what your Heavenly Father also wants for you. Mm-hmm. And still has planned for you because you are still here. And that you get time. Yeah, you get time to grieve. You get to have days you can't get out of bed and other days that it's okay. Like you said, you have permission to get out of bed. It doesn't mean you don't love your, your, your loved one anymore. But that's why we have to be a part of a church community yeah. that supports that. Right. And even what you've shared, like I um, at Huntersville United Methodist and you at Mosaic, right. we're both in healthy church environments yeah. that allow space to grieve, but also space mm-hmm. to recover. Yeah, and if somebody is not at a church that mm-hmm. allows that, mm-hmm. then maybe you can create it at that church. Maybe that church needs a ministry around that. Right, sure. Yeah. Yeah, if there's any, if you're somewhere you're being shamed for struggling with any type of addiction, emotionality, grief, or anything, shame is not from God. It is not from God. It is not of God at it's all. It's not of Him. And, and it is also acknowledgement that you feel it, Therefore, mm-hmm. others who might not be um, where you are um, that can go on. And it may also be a call to arms for you to create yeah. that in the church environment that yeah. you are. Yeah. And, I, and that, I think that's the other thing that we miss sometimes. A lot mm-hmm. of times we get stuck in our own pain and we create shame. But really, sometimes it's just, again, recognition that, you know what? This church doesn't have this and this church should have it. And I, I'm feeling this thing. So I know there might be other people. So I'm going to... Yeah create something around this. And even, like I said, like the work mm-hmm. that you do, we're all supposed to be creating space mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of hiding. That's right. That's right. And that's so good because, you know, always I love, I love how relevant the Garden of Eden is to our lives. It's also painful how relevant it's still to our, our lives. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's just, I know this is such common knowledge, but Adam and Eve, they hid. Once they had shame and blame, they go into rejection and they hide they're now aware that they're naked, so they no longer want to be vulnerable. And so it's exactly what you're saying is like when we are hiding from what we're mm-hmm. going through or the effects of what we've been through, mm-hmm. then we, we never get to get to a place again where it's okay to be mm-hmm. exposed, to be naked, to be to be reborn. And you know what I love? I know a lot of times we stick in that part, the shame part. Mm-hmm. The part that I most love is when we see that final image and, and God is hiding the tree of life because he doesn't want them to stay in that place. Right. He doesn't want yes. them to eat of that tree yeah. and stay in that place. Right. And that's I think right. that's true of where we are. Well, and that he covered them. Yes. Right. And it wasn't enough. So he sent his son to cover all of us through his blood. Thank but, you, Lord. <laughs> right. Amen. So grateful. But he covered them. Like he didn't yes. bring the shame. He, he doesn't want us in the shame. That's why we need people like you speaking so openly about grief, the power that that it has and that the openness that you're having about it is why that you don't have to stay in the grip of it right now. Exactly. Yeah. And and even 
to understand, like I said before, that grief is not just a death of a person. Mm-hmm. It could even be a death of an opportunity. It could be a yeah, death of a sure. job. It could be just not being what you thought it would be mm-hmm. is grief. Right. And um, right. and I don't think sometimes people understand that either. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you have grief, whether it's because simple as you lost a tooth, it's because you lost that job promotion, whatever it is, and you don't process it, it will stay in your body. And I think we're seeing that with COVID, right? Mm-hmm. This year, we see people constantly lifting up this idea that 2020 is this beast, right? Right. And 2020 is almost like grief because mm. people are wrestling with this idea that something has been taken away from them rather than acknowledging that they're experiencing grief. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of grief. You're right. Uh-huh. And, and the isolation, the loneliness, like you felt when you found out about your mom, surrounded by people and that it allowed you to hear his voice in that, even in that loneliness. You'll mm-hmm. never be forsaken. He'll never leave you. Never. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Before we do the last part of this, is there, is there any like final message that you have from your heart for our listeners? I think the thing that I most want people to know is that God will never leave you. Mm-hmm. He has a call on your life. And if you don't have someone in your life that will affirm that call, know that Kim or I will affirm mm-hmm. you in your call. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. so good. And, you know, how you perceive your grief and what you go through is based on your life experience and how you see the world. So it, you don't have to compare yourself to anyone else. Exactly. It doesn't have to look the way it's looked for you. But if someone can hear that and draw some inspiration and courage like I have today, then that then they can take that and apply it to them because it's from it's from God. It is from God. And yeah. and this whole idea too that we have to embrace our whole stories. Mm. I think for many of us, we want that idea like that soap opera that, oh, my life has been perfect. Yeah. But but God, oh my God, what what has he done with this mm-hmm. crazy life of mine? Right. And it shocks me sometimes when people are, you know, like you say, like I'm a people person, people are drawn to me. Mm-hmm. It shocks me sometimes, like, you know, it's a bunch of mess, but okay, God can right. use that too. Right. It's so authentic. <laughs> it's so authentic, right? It's so beautiful in that, right? It's just it's your essence. Like your essence is so there. Okay, so I'm a therapist. I'm about to put you in the hot seat. That's what put we me in the hot seat. Help me. All right. New help friend. me. Help me. Heal right. me. <laughs> so I'm going to throw some, some just short kind of cute questions at you and just tell me what comes to mind first. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. First word that comes to mind when you hear connection. Love. Love. Yeah. So true. So true. What is your favorite quote? My favorite quote is a C.S. Lewis quote, and it's all that's not eternal is eternally useless. Mm, say it again. All, all that's not eternal is eternally useless. Mm. That's been on my phone for 15 years as my wow. voicemail. Yeah, I love that. That's so good. That's so good. If you get a bunch of hangups, it's me just wanting to hear it again. I get people <laughs> leaving a message every now and then. They'll be like, oh, I just love your voicemail. Right. That is so good. All right. Favorite part of your house? My porch. porch. I call it the praise porch. Yeah. Just that, sitting there with the mm-hmm. wind coming through and just knowing that, you know, it's open. I can see people. I can bring people in. Mm-hmm. I can be alone. It's all that. The yeah. porch. Yeah, the praise porch. Praise porch. I love that. Okay. If you could go back mm-hmm. and see your high school teachers, 
Mm-hmm. You can only see one. Yes. Who would you pick and why? Okay. I'm going to, you're going to laugh about this, but I'm a people person who collects people. Mm-hmm. I'm still friends with my high school guidance counselor. And you know, from being Facebook friends that uh-huh. I'm constantly shouting her out yeah. this, at line. And so while we communicate all the time virtually, I cannot wait for the day when I can just grab her mm. and say, Miss Etline, we made it. Wow, we made it. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. yes. I love she, that. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So good. Okay. Favorite binge-worthy show? I'm not much of a TV person, but get this. I love Jack Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I know, people are like, what? I'm like, yeah, Jack Wyatt. (laughs) (laughs) That is so great. I love that. I love that. Okay, what does your playlist reveal about you? That I want to be in constant praise. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a devotional mix that I listen to, and it's Mm -hmm. all about gearing up for the battle. Um, um, Because I believe that we are in a spiritual battle, and I believe that as Christians, a lot of times we you know, we're so earthly. We don't realize that there is a spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. And um, as, as being growing up in the old church, the saints would sing a song, we are soldiers in the army. Yeah. And, um, and so I think every song that I listen to is about recognizing that I'm getting ready for the battle. I'm getting ready to help yeah. someone through their battle. Yeah. Well, I think you more than did that today. And I love that. Thank you so much for being a part of this. And I just, I'm, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed. To, to have known you, to get to know you better. And it's just an honor to just be in your presence. So thank you for being here. And to all of you who listened today, I know you heard so much that flipped your lid. And I hope you were able in these moments of these words of wisdom from Tosh, were able to reconnect to who God says you are. We'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to Flip Your Lid with Kim Honeycutt. Please subscribe, rate, and share. You can find Kim on Facebook or Instagram at KB Honeycutt. To get an autographed copy of Kim's book, visit butyourmotherlovesyou.com. Remember, no matter what, treat yourself well today.